Hello and welcome back to another episode of Drama School Dropout. This week it's episode 99. How are we here? How is next week the 100th episode? It's mad. I can't get my head around it. As per usual, my name is Ingram Noble and I am your resident Drama School Dropout. And this week I am joined by an absolutely fantastic actor who you may know from his stint on Waterloo Road. Please welcome to the podcast, Reese Douglas. Drama School Dropout no graduation day for you, drama school dropout. Fucked your whole course, now try something new, drama school dropout. Hello, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, thank you for having me. It's all good, how are we on this fine Saturday morning? Hot, hot, ironically very hot. Um, Do you know what, it's not that bad today here. Like yesterday I was dying. And Jesus. today we're we're all right. Like I can literally fans got a fan. You've got it all hooked up. I've not got a fan. You see. But how are we doing? I know because we're in that sort of weird phase of COVID's over, but it's not really over, and we've all still got to be careful. And in regards to what safety concerns or like just work? like life, like because uh, everybody, just... I think what I've mostly discovered is safety concerns. Everyone will just do whatever they feel comfortable with mate i did not want to get a job i didn't want to get a job like i'm a young lad we've got through the black plague many other things in life i'm here i'm do you know what i mean i don't really want two jobs inside my body that are untested so i thought if i catch covid you know i'll build the antibodies and i'll probably get through it but when uh, they said that i couldn't fly abroad to my family that's when i was like oh go on then i had no choice but I now signed up for people can just away. go abroad People just go abroad now. Do you know what? And I, I think that it's the government's fault. And I, I've said this before. I've never, I've never questioned anything that they've told us to do because, for me, I've got elderly grandparents, and I yeah, was, yeah, yeah. I just wanted life to get back to normal. I'd spent like I dropped out of uni, so for six months before the pandemic, I'd been depressed as fuck, and then we got yeah. locked inside. Yeah. So I was like, I've had basically two years of this so i was like i yeah. just want to get back to normal and i had elderly grandparents and stuff that i wanted to see but with it now you don't need to isolate if you get it and i think that back then it was as serious but because of the things that the government are doing now they're making it seem less than but you know what let's not talk too much about cover because i feel like that's all we've I feel like that's all we've spoke about for two years. Um, yeah, we're we're bored of that. Yeah, we're we're so bored of it. Again, thank you so much for coming on and doing this. I'm really excited to chat with you, actually. Um, but what I like to ask everybody that comes on the podcast is, how did you get into acting, and what was your first ever role? And don't worry, we don't need a prof- uh, we don't need a professional role. We love a good nativity story. Anything oh, like no. that. Um, it was sit down buckle in it was it was as raw and as deep as you could get um i never ever ever thought i was going to be an actor um Mm. i was this little shit in school who wasn't academic was it was it was so disappointing for my parents because they put me in they couldn't afford to but there was such you know there were such good parents they put me into say beads which was like an expensive private school Mm. when i was younger um and i I did build up i would say that i got well ahead of my years in terms of education there uh, but i've left say beads probably about when i was about six or seven really early Mm. um but i always still remember the classes and stuff from from private school believe it or not Uh, and then i went to 
like junior school and then I went to high school and I was just that kid that if I put my head down I could do really well but I just wasn't interested like studying out of a book just wasn't my way of learning um and I was always that kid that the teachers would say he would do so well if he put his head down but uh he just would rather fool about in class so was the class clown yeah, um, same. And I, I found entertainment out of winding people up and being a little shit. Um, I, I think my drama teacher picked up on that, and I felt drama class was the place that I could be myself. You know, I could express yeah. myself, and um, that's where I felt most at home. And I think my drama teacher picked up on that. Um, and just by chance, there was um, a, a new role coming around for uh, a new family in Waterloo Road, and this was back in 2006 or seven, I think um and then i it all started with michelle smith who's the casting director um being told by my drama teacher to come in uh, and do some some auditions with my class but i think that they had an eye on me um and they literally gave me a scene i came in the drama room i did the scene and yeah the the rest was pretty much history man <laughs> so it's was there never like was that your first exposure to it like obviously everybody in britain does the nativity play but there was the never like school plays after that or was it just like no i'm gonna do waterloo road and this is gonna be my in uh as as i said yeah i never really visited to be an actor but um just knew about this casting director i didn't even know what casting director was coming (laughs) in to do an audition with me she put me on she put me on tape it's a bit weird but all right um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah did the audition she's like yeah you pretend you've got a gun in your hands um i thought that was fun did the audition um and she said you know you've done well uh, my drama teacher said you've done really well uh, and then i got invited down to um to the school to do some more auditions about three or four met with minky spyro who was the director at the time and um i was sat in the bath one night really weird but true um, I was only a kid, wasn't I? And my mum was in the bathroom with me talking to me and I said, Mum, I said, I've got this part, you know. She went, oh, don't be silly. Don't be silly. She goes, you give it a good shot, but don't be silly. You know, it's, it's nationwide, this audition thing. I said, no, Mum, I said, I've got it. And I don't know what it was. Something inside me said, I've got that role. And, I, and I, <laughs> the next day I was in school and um, a big tannoy came on the system. Hi, can Reese Douglas come to the pastoral office, please? I thought, oh, fuck, you know, there we go. Okay, what have we done now? What what what's what's they caught up with me from and now? Back on report, uh, yeah. Back on report. Probably found out that I threw an apple at some girl's head from last week. <laughs> got there and uh, my mum was on the phone screaming. I said, "Bloody hell, mum, who's dad?" She went, "Reese, you got the part." So I told all my friends. I was running around the playground. I said, I've got a part of Waterloo Road because they all used to watch it. I never used yeah. to watch it, um, and they were like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, yeah." You're just probably going to be walking around in the background. And then um, my first ever scene was was pretty much near where I got hold of the gun. Um, we were shooting the gun scene where all the SWAT team were coming in the school. My brother gave me a gun and I was just like, there was no acting involved in Grimm. I was like, this is shit scary. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I got I got, I got, got thrown straight into the deep end. Um, yeah, you're like, I'm actually like, quite scared right now. <laughs> yeah. And I guess that was then I was like, okay, I'm an actor. And then it was all a bit of a whirlwind, you know, because it was a really popular show. Never been an actor before thrown straight into it but you know what fortunately i'll always be thankful for this that my mum was my chaperone she yeah. really was that person to keep me grounded not let me get ahead of myself um and and made me not become that twat that many people can become you know yeah certainly at a young age thrown into a life like that i'll tell you a funny story of the first time i ever got on walk the road and i've only ever told my close friends this 
Um, it was my first day ever on set. My mum was my chaperone. You can imagine I'm like a sheepish little boy going on set. Like, what is this world I'm barking upon? I just you know what? I think it was a an advantage that I'd never watched the show because yeah. I didn't realise how big it was. Um, my first day ever on set, right? And um, some older guy was stood there outside having a cig. And I was like, who's that? And my mum went, oh, I know him. That's um, that's that, that Neil Morrissey. <laughs> and I went, oh, all right, great. I said, he does that Bob the Builder voice, doesn't he? I shouldn't have said it. it. Maybe it was a bad day for Neil. But he went, I'm not a fucking performing Muppet, mate, because I asked him to do the voice. And then I just went inside myself. I said, oh, God, is this the world I'm coming into? And mum pulled me aside. She went, if anyone's ever rude to you, you'd be rude back. And uh, there was a scene a few weeks later in the head teacher's office and he couldn't get his line right. He was throws a chair across the classroom and I kept saying it, kept saying it. And uh, <laughs> eventually he'd lost his temper with me and I turned around and said, I thought you're the professional, not me. <laughs> um, <laughs> the whole crew obviously burst out in laughter and uh, we got on really well after that. Yeah, I, I feel like sometimes you just do need to like break somebody's temper to break it down. But I also just can't stand anybody that's a bit of a dick like that. You know, everyone has their days. Everyone yeah, has true. their days. Everyone yeah. has their days, you know. Um, 100% true. Um, do you, what I liked, because I think that when you watch these sort of interviews, a lot of people focus on the film inside of it. What's your favourite moment on camera? I kind of enjoy talking about the behind the scenes moments because I think they're, they're funner. Do you have a favourite behind the scenes moment that none of us would know about from Waterloo Road? Other than I'm not a performing Muppet. Uh, do you know what? When I think of my acting career, um, there's probably more things I could... I could. It's more an interesting story I could tell you. Not That was not Waterloo Road. It was a film that I did called Clef Lip. It's on Netflix now. Mm. Um, and... When I think of like, oh, your best scene, I don't, I don't really look at that, and and you know, I'm not, I'm not there, stroking myself, going, oh, best scene, oh, I really like that one. Um, Is I that not why what... you had to reschedule? Do you not just say <laughs> blinds shut? I like that one. Watching all your work. No, I think it's important. <laughs> no, I'm only I kidding. I know you kidding. I know you kidding. I bought. People do. People do go back and watch themselves. And people hate even hearing their own voice. Um, I do. But I do know that the scenes that I feel, I don't know if I've done well at this. This is this scene's took me out of my comfort zone. Mm. So I've got to watch it back to see how it looks. And then I will make mental notes on what I think I could have done better. I think that's so important to do as an actor, right? Yeah. Um, people have their own way of doing things. Johnny Depp never even watched Pirates of the Caribbean. Mad, isn't it? Crazy. Crazy. Um but yeah, everyone has their own way of doing things. But there was a scene with Cleflip um, where it was like the end of the film. And it was a really, really emotional part for this character. He'd completely broken down. His, in a nutshell, the woman that he was marrying and having his child to turn out to be his mother. It was the Oedipus complex. Fun. Fun. Um, and he was just, he got himself absolutely steaming. Um, and I did. I did get myself steamy, but I, I didn't do it in front of everybody. I did it, you know, mm. in my in my own way. And I come on set and speaking to the director, there was nobody around. It wasn't like a massive 
you know, yeah. it was a really intimate scene, really intimate scene, really small crew in the middle of Manchester, like 1am in the morning. I thought, there's no point in me acting, being pissed. Like, I'm such in an emotional state with where I'm at. I don't really need to be acting pissed as well. Like, I've, I really want to get myself in this emotional state. I don't really want to be then having to think about pretending to be pissed. I'd rather just just do that. Um, I'm not saying that I would do the same if it was drugs or anything else, right? There's limits. <laughs> Is there... I don't think there well, are for me. <laughs> well, there there is there is for you know certain, certain method actors are crazy. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm but... only joking. I'm not jumping out and getting loads of cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> what you said that, not me. Um, oh yeah, no, yeah, you said you... alcohol. I was like, I, I, I would be the one with my head in a baggie. <laughs> Um, so the director turned around to me and he was fuming at the time. I was surprised. He went, "You're you're pissed," and I went, "Of course." The, yeah, the, the character's pissed in the scene. Yeah, He's steaming. I said, we've not got any shots after this. I said, this is the final shot of the day. It's 1 a.m. And he was like, you know, this is not ethical. This is not good to do it. I said, just, just, just film the fucking scene. Let's just film the scene. Mm. Film the scene. And then after it, he didn't really say anything. He just looked at me. It was almost like he looked at me as if to say, I think you've done an amazing job, but I don't want to tell you. And then after it, when it went post-production, he rang me straight away. He said, that scene was amazing. I said, thank you. I said, I hope I went about it in the most professional way I could. Mm. He goes, I know, I just never had someone do that before. I said, well, each to their own, you know. Um, but yeah, that was that. That that's one probably one interesting story I could tell you. Yeah, I want to ask you one last question about Waterloo Road, and then we're going to move on from it. Do you nick anything from the set? No, never really nicked anything from the set. There's nothing I wanted. It was a shit hole, wasn't it? <laughs> it's it, coming it, back it, as it, well, it, isn't it? Yeah, I believe it is. Um, what, but no, I just I just took jumpers and ties and things that were close to me. Yeah, what what are you thinking about it coming back? Is have you are you um, back? You know, no, I'm dead. Yeah, I can't remember. Oh yeah, you are dead, to, aren't you? I, I mate, I was on my way to do casualty. Swear to God, sixteen year old lad, on my way to do casualty, and I got a phone call off art department. Tina, never forget it. She went, "Hi, Reese, how are you doing?" I said, "I'm not bad. How are you?" She went, "Have you got a recent photo of yourself?" I said, "What do you want a recent photo for?" She goes, are you winding me up? I said, no, I'm not winding you up. What are you on about? I go, I don't know if I'm coming back yet. She went, oh, God. I said, what? She went, Reese, we're three weeks into filming your funeral. I was like, what? What do you mean? She went, has no one told you? I was like, no. She was like, I, I, I don't know what to say. I said, well, no offence, Tina, but do, do go and tell them to find their own photo. I'm sure they'll find one on Google. And that was the last conversation I had. But you know what? When I look at that moment, bro, I think... That was just a phone product... call to say, here, this is what we're doing. Just shows how cutthroat acting is. But you know what? There's no excuse for for the way that that that, that I was axed in a way, you know? Um, mm. But it's, it's really important to now, in this day and age, to consider people's mental health. Yeah, because for some young lad that was thrown into the show and did everything of his level lifestyles around that show, I don't think that my mental health was considered. No, when I don't you think it ever is. out of a show like that. But yeah, so I always think there's a nice way to go about things. Yeah. I didn't help myself. You know, they they already planned to take it up to Scotland way before we knew. We found out by the press that were outside, mm-hmm. um, and we were questioning how we how why no one ever told us about this. We also realised they pre-planned it because obviously the, the head teacher at the time was Scottish. Um, I think so 
we were just angry. We were like, why is the production not telling us these things? And yeah, um, a few of us, you know, being kids, I was on Twitter at the time, tweeted, oh, no way I'm going to Scotland. And then obviously they, they, they bloody commented that in the paper. Reese Douglas, who plays Denzel Kelly, says he's not going up to Scotland. So the production must have read that. They came down and said, stop talking to the press. They probably looked at my tweet, amongst others that were also tweeted, and just thought, oh, maybe he's, you know, he's written his own, he's written his own headline there. Yeah. And then that's the way they asked me. But I thought, I was... 16 bro like yeah great i mean <laughs> i put my heart and soul into a show and you tell me that my whole lifestyle's moving to a whole new city and because i've reacted not saying i hate the show saying no way i'm going yeah. to scotland you know i would have thought that they would have probably gone you shouldn't have tweeted that but you know what you're absolutely a great asset to the show mm. yeah of course we'll give you that opportunity but no they just axed me off i thought mm. but not nice brother not nice not a nice yeah. way to treat people What I do like to ask everybody that comes on the podcast is if you were booked to do a one month stint in the West End or Broadway, but preferably the West End so I can come and see it. And they come and said to you, listen, we've got as much money as we need. Who do you want to be your co-star? You can pick anyone in the world that's alive. Who are you picking? Groom oh, agency, cancel it. I'm not doing it. <laughs> Can't think of anything worse. What then just happened to pick? No, just being on the West End. Do you not a, are you not a stagey kind of guy? Oh, God, mate, no. Wow, I've never met an actor that doesn't love the stage. I hate it. Oh, I'd much rather do it. the West End than TV. Oh, no, hate it, mate. I, I, Not comparable, but the rush that you get being on stage is phenomenal. Yeah. Phenomenal, phenomenal. That emotion is phenomenal. But I actually hate being on stage. I hate it. And this has stemmed from me doing a panto in my early days. That was the brought on, it brought on my anxiety. It brought on depression. Um, and I now relate to being on stage with the yeah. start of my, uh, my anxiety. And it was the worst panto experience of my life. Um, I was still a kid off the back of Waterloo road. I was on sort of some, I was on a production with this like touring production that brings on like celebrities just to keep themselves going but have no intention of of building a relationship with me i was treated like a dog uh they accused me of all sorts i was on my own i was in these sweaty little travel of lodges i felt like i was caged up i couldn't get out anywhere uh, it was horrible bro and it brought oh, on anxiety that. for me I had to get my lawyer involved to get me out of the show it was the worst experience of my life and unfortunately i now associate being on stage with that um and I know myself that my best acting is TV because right. West End, when you, when you're a show, mm. it's phenomenal. I've been to West End. I've seen, you know, um, I see wicked, absolutely amazing. Uh, but I know that acting for me, those intimate moments, those, those really touching, can't put your fucking knife down on your plate, like watching that screen, like shit, what's about <laughs> to happen? Those are moments that can't be replicated mm. on stage. Yeah, and I think I'm just a, I'm just a stage actor, but I'll, I'll I'll tweak the question. So if we're doing a TV show and it's a two-hander, and we come and say to you, who do you want to be a co-star? Who are you picking? Do you know what I've always said it, and this is just for watching da- Dallas Buyers Club. I I've felt a love for Matthew McConaughey. Good answer. Don't think he's ever been said before. Yeah, Matthew yeah, McConaughey. No. I just really like his work. I like the way he composes himself. Um, I think he's a phenomenal actor. Um, that should probably pick. Yeah, and then I just going a bit off track here. 
not a story many people can tell. But I was doing a film called Walking Against the Rain, um, which I'm going to go to the premiere in, in London on on end of this month, actually. Fun. And it's 4am in the morning. Obviously, it's quite intense doing a, 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 a two-week, two-and-a-half-week block film. Yeah. And it's at four in the morning, waking up being sick. So I'm like, fucking hell, like, my body clock's fucked. I'm exhausted. So it's like, we're taking you to this place in the middle of nowhere in the Lake District to film these scenes because it's a post-apocalyptic film. So you've got to get this sunlight. The sun's just rising and we're walking through, like, where the sun's coming up. It's starting to warm the grass, the steam's rising, the sun's coming up. That's the shot they wanted to get right. It's me just trailing through the Lake District with some hopes of finding where I can next get my food, water. And um massive production there. I'm like, what the fuck? These trailers are huge. I'm sat there, six helicopters are there. And like, huh? <laughs> what 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 film's this like? This isn't us. They went, no, no, this isn't us, but we've, we've got some company today. I'm like, what fucking company? This is huge. Um, and they were shooting, 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 and then this massive black security guard comes over, just points at me and goes, no phone. I'm like, what do you mean, no phone? Like, I'm offset. I was like, who is this guy? And he's like, right, this, this guy's just come to keep an eye on us. Um, don't get your phones out. Do not shine any devices over to that side. You can only stay within these constraints. I'm like, what is going on? There's like someone might come and say hello. If they do, just keep your distance. Um, don't go to shake his hand. Uh, we will have five other people around him. He does at all times. Don't be alarmed by this. Um, and have a great shoot. I hope it goes well. Next thing. In the middle of the take. This big fucking chopper's coming over our head. I'm like, cut. Next thing I'm seeing this guy, right, jump out of the helicopter and he's got like parachuting down and he's got four other people behind him. And I'm like, what is going on? Just like you may find out, but we're under an NDA. We can't tell you who it is. Drops to the floor, BMW speeds up, picks him up, takes him back there, does it again. And then they were like, yeah, we've got six choppers, but we're only going to fly one for you today because we know that you're shooting here. So anyway. He says, oh, here he is now. So nobody comes to walk over and say hello. Mm. But I noticed that this helicopter had come off course. It's coming straight to the set. So I thought, this person, whoever it is, is coming straight over to us. So I thought, I'm getting my phone out. I'm sod this. You've mashed up my shoot all day. Yeah. right? I'm getting my phone out to see whoever this is. So I'm recording it. He's come over in the chopper. He's lowered his chopper, right? Like I'm talking, I'm 6'2", right? So imagine like three times my body height. That's how low he's come. And he's just there waving out the window with glasses on. And I looked at it and I thought, that's Tom Cruise. That's who I thought. <laughs> that's what I thought you were going to say. When, when, it, when you said helicopter Cruise. and jumping out, I was like, Mission Impossible. Yeah, exactly what he was shooting. And he was supposed to be going abroad. That was supposed to be his training ground. But because of COVID, they had to then shoot where yeah. they were. So as much as I was there with my phone out, I've got the footage on my phone and I can share it with you of him waving. I was like, uh, thanks, but you're still a bellend because you've, yeah, you've, well, fucked you fuck whole, off. you've fucked up my whole shoot all day, right? The least you could have done is actually come over and say hello. But no, what in fact you do is you fly over in chopper and fuck my shoot up again. And then you just wave at me. Like, I don't know oh, if you really want to meet him. I don't know if you want it. It's all Scientology and all that shit, isn't it? Like, he's an alien, mate. He's an alien. He's an alien. <laughs> um, you've obviously had such a hugely successful career and you're doing loads of tech stuff oh, now, God, which we're going to talk that. about in a minute. But what has been your biggest 
what the fuck's happening moment other than Tom Cruise fucking your shoot? Uh, probably getting axed off Waterloo Road, having no money in the bank, sat in bed, getting a knock at the door. Stepdad goes, get out of bed, get your shirt on, write a CV. And me going, fuck, what am I going to do with my life? I'm still recognised off TV. Um, I'm really embarrassed. The thought of working in Tesco and somebody going, can I have a photo with you? As much as that's like a dickhead thing to say, right? That is super embarrassing. It was so yeah. embarrassing. The thought of that was like, Ugh. Um, I'm not saying that, you know, people shouldn't have normal jobs or anything like that. That's not, nothing like that. So I just want to make this clear. Don't yeah. sound like a dick. But that was super embarrassing for a kid that literally would go to Trafford Centre um, and wouldn't be able to go down, like, you know, past three shops without people asking photos. So walking, imagine we're just working in Tesco and be like, what mm. the hell are you doing? Is this some type of prank or something? Um, and I think the what the fuck moment happened when um, I'm ironing my shirt and knock at the door. I go downstairs. I look at it. It's a letter. Uh, it's got my name on it. I open up the letter. It's a check for royalties. So I got this check and it was a check for royalties. It was a mm. check for five grand. And this could not come at a better time. So I went back in my parents' room, being the little shit I've always been. And he goes, have you ironed your shirt yet? He could wait. He was like, welcome to the real world. He's, you know, rubbing his hands together and kidding this little bastard. This is a teachable moment. <laughs> yeah. So um, so I'm there and and he said, have you ironed your shirt yet? I said, no. So he goes, well, why have you not ironed your shirt? I said, I'm going to iron this instead. And what? So I'm going to iron this instead. <laughs> this is a check for five grand. Obviously, I didn't iron it. Yeah. And then I was like, there's the check for five grand. There's my rent for 12 months. There's my phone bill for 12 months. My bills are covered now. I'm going back to bed. And you know what? I didn't sleep. I shit myself. I was like, whatever this is, whatever day this could have been, whatever moment this is, this could not have come mm. at a better time. It was almost like, whatever you're going to do, Reese, you've got 12 months to figure yourself out. Yeah. So here, here's not a check for money. Here's a check for time. Yeah. You know? Um, and that's when that's when Social Plug was born. Um, mm -hmm. and, so yeah, like we were talking slightly just before we started recording, and I I don't think I'm fully like I'm still like I may be part of the generation technology, don't understand fucking any of it. Um, could you tell us a little bit more about Social Plug? Yeah, so I imagine like most of your listeners are, are people that are interested in the acting world or one of the yeah. actors, right? And I think. The way that I look at acting and something that I always didn't like was that I was not in control of my career. Yeah. As much as you may be a great actor, you may never get noticed. And that's simply because it wasn't at the right time or at the right place. Mm -hmm. And simply waiting for a phone call, you can't live your life waiting for a phone call. You know, you can't. Yeah. It's such an amount of wasted talent and you've got bills to pay. As actors, we know that, right? Um, and when people say, oh, how do we get into acting? I'm like, "You well, you could be acting right now. I'm like, what do you mean? You look at TikTok, right? This app is an app that is giving you a platform to come up with some engaging content. And before you know it, have you ever heard of Binley's Mega Chipping? Yeah. Right. So if, if you know, I ask you, if anyone's listening here, go watch Binley's Mega Chipping. This is a, he was an actor, right? He, create, he, created his, he created his moment. He scripted it with his friends. He'd, he'd come out of this chippy and he said, oh, you know, I love this chippy. He turns around, the shot changes, and it's for him and his friends dancing in bibs. That's now got something like 100 million views. Yeah, He's now getting sponsored around the country. He's now making, you know, uh, sketches, uh, loads of different sketches. He's now an actor. 
Mm. Um, and when I look at the earlier days, Man Them on the Wall, you know, Javan Wade, he was making his own skits on YouTube. He wasn't waiting for the phone to ring. He was already making his own skits on YouTube. Channel 4 picked up the show. Now the guy's filming like Marvel things in Hollywood. Mm. So I'm like, you know, TikTok, social media, these are perfect platforms. Right now, there's never been a perfect time like TikTok where if you write a great, a great clip that you're going to get organic reach. And yeah. you can actually take these clips. So even if you are not making, well, you would make money off social media because this guy's, you know, this Binley's Mega Chippy guy's making thousands now, hundreds of thousands, you know? So you can take, you'll be noticed by productions for simply having these these types of followers and these types of views. So for me, it's a, it's not a case of, you know, um, it's not a case of like waiting for the phone to ring. It's a case of how much do you want it? How yeah. much do you want it? And I, I suppose I understand it now because the first thing that I bring up to any producers when I talk to them is, yeah, I have a podcast and we get this X what, amount bro? of numbers. I have never in a million years now going to auditions and on the breakdown, they ask me how many followers I've got. Yeah, it's mad. This is the world we live in, right? So I'm thinking, if you want to be an actor, start acting, start mm. acting, get on TikTok, make these clips. It's not okay. You're, you're going to make a 30 second, 60 second engaging clip. Mm. But if you can, if you can catch people's attention, tell a story in 60 seconds, then all of those emotions and all of those different things that you're going to put into a 60 second clip, you would absolutely kill it if you had half an hour. Mm. Yeah, I will be honest though. When I cast things, I double check to make sure they don't have any cringy shit on TikTok. And if they do, they don't cringy, get the part. Correct. Yeah, cringy is, you know, this is what I mean. This is why I honestly, I never really swear except on this podcast because you said I could. If you look at my Twitter and my Instagram, you'll never see me swear. You'll yeah. never see me say political matters, racial matters. I do try and stay very, very clear cut in that respect because mm. I know that you will be vetted. And don't, and, and for any actor that doesn't think they are being watched, if you are going for auditions, your social media is being yeah. seen. That's how I lost my part on Walter Road. So I got axed because of a tweet. So it's so important now that, you know, your social media is almost like uh, your digital representation. Yeah, 100%. And I remember having a discussion. One of my pet peeves, I don't know if you'll have ever had to deal with them because you don't, you're probably not around upcoming actors as much because you're big leagues over there. I hate Instagram pages that are like, for example, Reese Douglas actor. But then you also follow me on Reese Douglas. I think there is absolutely no point. And doesn't make any sense. No, because I don't, I've never understood. And this is where you might appreciate my little argument here. I've never understood. Like, so the boy that I cast in a show recently, I was talking to him about it. And I said, why, why have you got two? Why have you got two Instagrams? Why have you got one purely for acting and one purely for the rest of your life? And he said, well, I, I don't want my friends to be too bogged down in people in like constantly seeing me post acting work. And I said, right, first up, number one, all your friends follow that second Instagram account. So that straight off the bat doesn't matter. Number two, your friends are the ones that are currently going to support you because you're not famous yet. So you we need them to see that you're in this show for them to buy a ticket. So it doesn't make sense. Also, third, you've got a thousand followers on that one and a thousand followers on that one. How many of them are unique? And he said, well, I'd say probably about 50% of the acting ones don't follow me on my prof- my personal one. So I said, so now you've got two with a thousand 
but you could have had one with 1500 and now if i walk up to you and say do you want to write a book about he's a footballer do you want to write a book about being a footballer you would have had two streams of instead of having two streams that aren't as engaged you could have had one more engaged stream that would see everything that you do instead of being like acting personal acting i think it's so stupid and he said yeah but sometimes i want to post pictures of me being drunk on my instagram and i'm like well you shouldn't do that anyway but like if you look at my instagram my instagram isn't a personal or a business one it's both but i don't post pictures of me drunk on it do you know what do you know what the thing is it's just the fact that people are scared and when I say scared, I think people are generally skeptical. They're they're a bit worried, right? They're a bit they're a bit almost feel maybe ashamed. I don't know what it is, but there's something inside themselves that feels, oh, I'm a bit embarrassed. Here's the word, embarrassed. Maybe they feel a bit embarrassed to be able to post their acting work and say to people they're actor, and they feel that there's a stigma around calling mm. yourself an actor. That's what it is. That's all it is. And it people, just irritates me. Yeah. I'm like, why the fuck are you doing this? Why are you... I think the people are feeling embarrassed over I think the people are just embarrassed. I think people are embarrassed and there's a stigma around calling yourself an actor. I say to some of them, like, you'd be better turning that into a fan account for, like, Jack Grealish or something. Here's here's a prime example, Ingram. Your mum said to you at the start of this podcast when you told me, right, you think you're such an actor. (laughs) Yeah. And that mindset, and that 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 stigma that people have around us actors is exactly what people probably feel yeah, with their Instagram true. account. I don't know, but I just it it makes no sense business wise for me because if I was coming to you and like l- let's put it this way, you're casting something. I come up to you and say, yeah, um, I've got one Instagram which has pretty high engagement. I've got one podcast which averages forty five thousand listeners a week. Then my mate comes to you and says, yeah, I've got two Instagram, but I'm only going to post about this on one of them that's got 500 followers. And um, I, I haven't merged my two screen, streams of engagement. At a business sense, they might be the better actor. At a business sense, it makes more sense to go with the person who has everything engaged and yeah. put together. Do you know what if I mean? You, if you look at it from from like two standpoints, I look at it as that that actor's probably feeling that there's a stigma around people, what people think of him calling himself an actor on his personal account. Maybe he's a bit embarrassed. I think if you have a separate account, right? This is how a production look at it or a cast narrator look at it. Hmm, he's got an acting account, but I can also see he's got a personal. What's he hiding? Yeah, that's yeah, all. No, that's it. Makes absolutely no fucking sense to me, and I'm just a bit like. What? What? I also just think it's the lazy part of me that's like I'm not doing two Instagrams. Like fuck that. I did have a. T- I had a personal, and an acting Twitter for about three days when I was doing because basically what I wanted to do was just have somewhere that I could follow everyone, that I could so if I needed their like contact details, I could yeah. just. And then I was like, I'll just follow them on my fucking personal one. That makes sense. That I makes was sense. like. But yeah, it was like three days. Going back to my my um my my part yes. when I said I've got tw- twelve, you know, I've got twelve hours, uh, twelve months to work out what I was going to do. That's what social plug is. Um, we're a platform that enables people to come up with engaging content. So we offer them a, a brand, 
And that might be a local restaurant. It might be a product. We ask them what niche they're interested in. Um, and then we offer them a campaign which is relevant to that niche. Uh, and they have to come up with a 30 second to 60 second engaging piece of content. And we give you a brief for that. Mm. And when they come back with that content, if a brand likes it, uh, they approve it, they'll negotiate to pay you on that piece of content. And they do two things with it. They'll ask you to publish it on your feed um, and you'll be up against other people. And whoever gets the most viral content gets a cash prize. Or second of all, your content gets licensed where a brand says, we're going to take your content and we're going to use it for a Facebook ad or an Instagram ad. Mm. Um, because there's a saying that people uh, that, that's going around now, it's don't make ads, make TikToks. Um, <laughs> and just to, to really put this into context with people, Google for the first time ever said they are now threatened by TikTok because us as millennials are not going on Google searching best restaurants in Manchester. But we're doing it on TikTok because we want to see what that restaurant actually looks like. We want to mm. see the food on the plate that's something that google search doesn't give you um so yeah. when you look at how the industry is shifting um people do not want to see intrusive ads they want to be entertained uh, and what we do at social plug is we create engaging experiences for people uh, for, for local businesses and online products mm. and we give everyday individuals those opportunities to to become content creators ugc creators user generated content so not influencers yeah everyday people that can create engaging content um, and that's what our platform does i'm gonna play a game now and this is my favorite game in the entire world it's called stage right or stage shite and it's three stories two of them are the truth the whole truth and nothing but the truth and have been submitted by listeners and one is a big fat lie that's been made up by our producer hev favorite things in the world i always say if you don't want to listen to me chat absolute shite for this is episode 99, if you don't want to hear me talk shite for that much long, just go back and listen to the stage rights and stage shites. You'll have the best day of your life. Um, and also, if anybody has a story for stage right or stage shite, please email us at dramaschooldropoutpod at gmail.com. I don't get to see them. I've got the answer in a sealed envelope, which nobody else apart from Reese can see. Um, so we can play along together. And I absolutely love them. Number one. Okay. My secondary school drama lecture teacher once offered to help me shave my pubes because you could kind of see them when I wore boxers on stage. I declined. Number two, I once worked on a set and the lead actor would often ask producers if she could practice slapping people by using the production assistants. Number three, when I booked my very first job, I got very excited and I sent my mum a video message because she was at work. What I didn't notice was my 12-inch dildo sitting on my bedside table, very visible in the dildo. I guess my mum knows her son's a whore now. <laughs> so I'm telling you which one's true, right? So one of them's a lie. One of them's stage shite, and we can figure that one out. One of them's a lie. One of them's a lie, and two of them are true. Oh, my gosh. So um, the first one you said was what? My secondary school drama teacher once yeah, offered to help. Yeah, that was a lie. Nah, a lie. do you want me to tell you? It's too obvious. Really? I I'm going for three. Nah, because no, you can because... unsend a message with you can unsend a video message. On what? Um, no, you can't. Not on no, iPhone. No, you can. Not to everybody. Yeah, you can. On iMessage, no. On you WhatsApp, can. you can. No, on... you can't. It's new update. iOS. Mate, I'm sure you can't. I would have had. I yeah, would have still been in numerous different relationships. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's only just coming out, but 
anything like Facebook, yeah, Instagram. You know how many friends I've lost. No, delete message. Delete message. That's just for me. So okay, hang on a minute. No, no, you no. You might no, need no, to no. do the update. I'm deleting the message right right now. Delete, delete message. What is going on? Let me try and make this work. Has that gone off your phone? Like that. No, I've still got it. You need to do the update. You need to do the system update. Yeah, my phone's up to date. Or maybe no, the no, no, no. iOS is now. You can. No, iOS. No, you no, no. genuinely can. Wait there. I'm going to. iOS on send message. iOS 16. Uh, so it's not out yet. Oh, okay, fair enough. But you can unsend. You can unsend, edit, and just delete a text. Wow, you can get away with all sorts now. But also, I'm just thinking, who sends text messages? It's Instagram, it's Facebook. I would would be finding, if I sent my mum a video with a dildo in the background, the first thing I would do is phone aeroplane mode so it didn't go through. But you know what? This is the thing. If you're in bed, drive hungover or just tired and woke up and not thinking straight. So you probably wouldn't have even recognised that it was there until your mum's seen it. Or maybe you've looked around and gone, oh, fuck it. I don't know. But I'm going to go with one. Yeah, I'm I'm going for three. Let me open the... Let me open. Sorry, I had to write it down. Um, nah, I, I just think it's too... It was too obvious. Number one. Boom! I told you. It was too. It was too obvious. You know what I mean? I was like, "Nah, not falling for this." Nah, told you. I was like, "I'm not." In, bro. I'm not falling. For, I wasn't. It was like, but some of them are fucking great. The one that I always have to tell is the girl. I'm not going to say this verbatim because I can't remember it. It was something along the lines of when we were growing up, we didn't have very much money. And when my dad came to see me in, uh, when I was in Greece, he bought me a single red rose and I was over the moon. But it was one of those Valentine's red roses that had a red lacy thong in the middle and he didn't realise he'd bought his daughter a flower with a red lacy thong in the middle. Oh dear. I think that is, that's one of my favourites. But we have a closing tradition on Drama School Dropout. And again, I will just say, I did not steal this from Stephen Bartlett. I thought about it all by myself and then listened to Diary of a CEO and realised yeah. that he also did it. So um, what I like to do is I like to ask my guests to leave a question for the next guest. They don't know who they're writing it for. You don't know who you'll ask. But the question that you have been left is, if you could relive one day of your acting life again, what day would it be and why? Probably the first day that I ever filmed. Not a performing Muppet, son. Yeah, <laughs> the the degree no, but no that I think that that I think it's purely based on the emotion that it yeah. brought, the feeling that it brought. Um, it, 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 I watched Elvis last night, you know, and um, still haven't seen it. Don't spoil it. I won't spoil it. It's a great. It's amazing. My um, mate just watched it, and he's been talking about it all weekend, and I'm like, leave me the fuck alone. I've not had time. <laughs> But yeah, um, I just think those, those emotions that you mm. feel, whether you're on stage or like your first day ever to be on an amazing production, those are just irreplaceable feelings that some or very few ever get to experience in their yeah. life. Um, and yeah, you can't replace those moments. Mm. Yeah, no. To replace. 100% I agree. What question yeah. would you like to... Le- Sorry, on you go. 
Yeah, I, I, I actually want to mention something which we've not touched on in this podcast yet. Go for it. Um, so this is my friend called Amber, um, and this is a Manchester-based, mm-hmm. and I'm not sure if you've heard of it or how much you know about uh, Manchester, um, but there was, have you ever heard of um, The Guardian, the t- telecommunications in The Guardian in yeah. Manchester, and it's like this I underground. So. Yeah, cool. Oh, no, so I was thinking called- of the newspaper. So there's a secret project. There's a secret project that's gone on in Manchester where the Guardian. If you if you do Google the Guardian, um, the Guardian telecommunications in Manchester. I've been to it. There's like an underground mm. building, right? Um, and apparently, there's been a secret project going on in Manchester from the '60s, and it's called Project Black Fisk. Um, and basically, this box got delivered to to her granddad who has sadly passed away now, uh, all these documents about medical trials uh, that happened on humans, um, and there's nothing about this thing online. Um, people don't even know it exists. So they've been making a podcast about it. Um, she's discovered some wild things that have gone on, um, and these things have been hidden in plain sight in Manchester for decades, um, and hopefully this podcast is going to be out later this year or the beginning of next year to talk about these things, and it's at Project Black. Fisk, F-I-S-K. What's coming up for you next? Uh, so next, Spiceland. Hopefully, fingers crossed. Um, this is a synthetic cannabis that hits uh, Manchester, the northwest, the hardest. Um, unlike with weed, where it's like 10, 20 pound a bag, you could buy the synthetic weed at your local news agents for five pounds because of the pricing point. Uh, a lot of the homeless society were, were consuming it. It was leaving them in states of uh, almost zombie like. Uh, they froze on the spot, uh, dribbling um, completely out of it. See, I'm not, I'm what? not a big, like, I don't smoke weed, I don't drink. Yeah. I'm very much a, even give up cigarettes. Fair play. And don't, please the, don't tell me that they're going to kill me because I know. <laughs> I know. There's, there's good and bad of everything. But yeah, this this synthetic weed called Spice, they used to change chemical components every time it was illegalized. Uh, mm. So that would make it legal again. Um, and every time that these chemical components changed, it was it had really bad psycho, you know, psychotic effects with with the with these people. Um, and I'm playing a part of um, Ricky who grew up in care, lived on the streets of Manchester. Oh, right, and... wait there. I just got so confused there because I thought you were selling this. I was like, why? <laughs> Is he selling? You think I'm a drug dealer? No, I thought you had made the synthetic weed. No, 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 no. Don't want 45,000 people thinking I'm a bloody drug dealer. I'm um, telling you that... No, I, I, I completely... I, have. <laughs> oh, I, I didn't think that you were like on street corners selling ba- bags of weed. But I thought you had been part of this company that had made this synthetic weed. Right. No, Disclaimer God, to everyone. God. It's Reese's new role in an upcoming... Is it a film or a TV show? It's a film. So in a new film called Spice World. I'm so sorry. I was, like, I was like, why is he pushing like fake drugs on my podcast? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, the, the director's Colin O'Toole. Um, he did Cowboy Dave. Yes. Uh, he pre- previously won a BAFTA. Um, mm. Really excited to potentially work with him. Um, yeah, and this story is really close to my heart because um, I'm from Manchester. I grew up in Shorten. Um, I've seen the effects of Spice. Um, I've seen a lot of my friends that have grew up through care. Um, there's, you know, the Manchester streets of Manchester. Um, 
And to play this part of somebody that not only has gone through the trauma of being homeless and being on the streets of Manchester, but then how this synthetic weed called Spice has then affected me, uh, my relationships and everything else is is quite a phenomenal story. And uh, the script is is raw. Imagine Top Boy. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Rough, rough and ready, bro. My, 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 my biggest exposure to Manchester, I've only been there twice. I'm, I'm very much a... Manchester's my border of the north. Like, oh. see when people talk about their, like, north-south divide. So I go below Manchester, but above Sheffield. Got but then you. I go... Then I clip Grimsby back in. Um, but I'm very much a stayed much more north than that. So like the Featherstale sort of venture is is Newcastle. So my massive exposure to Manchester was my favourite TV show, Shameless. Oh um, yes. Cassim actor, good friend of mine. Yes, I love Cassim. Um I've Shameless actor recording with them on Monday. So it's Which episode one? for episode hundred will be out next week. We can all find Ooh. out that where can everyone follow you on social media and keep up to date with what you're doing uh just twitter mainly now reese douglas at reese douglas one uh, on, on the insta yeah i'm still on insta but you know what uh it's just kind of like a, a video sharing app and um oh they've changed of... it it went back to normal yeah they, they changed it but they, they've come out with a statement saying we are no longer a photo sharing app and um they will be moving towards video and their algorithms are all focused towards give giving you more content um, that you're consuming rather than what your friends stupid. are doing. It's, it's stupid, but they know that attention is the biggest commodity. But thank you so much for coming on, Genuine. It's been such a pleasure. I'll let you get back to normal life. No worries. No worries at all. I'm off to football. But thank you so much. I hope it's been a great podcast and insightful. And thank you, brother. Really appreciate it. Take care. And there we have it, another episode of Drama School Dropout, episode 99 completed. Next week is the big one, it's episode 100, which is mad. It's mad, like, let's all just agree that something that I started as a lockdown keep busy project is now at 100 episodes, and I've been so lucky with all of my guests. Next week, Dropout Magazine is out. The Drama School Dropout Magazine is out. I can't wait for everyone to see it and for everyone to read it. It's great. Thank you so much to Reese for coming on the podcast. Genuinely, I had the best time chatting with you. Please make sure if you're listening to go down and follow Reese on social media. Check out Social Plug on social media. Make sure to give them a follow while you're at it. I would really appreciate it if you could give me a follow. Leave a rating and a review on the podcast. It helps us out so much you don't even know, especially independent podcast it's so hard to get your podcast out there so for any independent podcast including drama school dropout please leave a rating and a review it's so important it helps us out so much if you have a story for stage right or stage shite remember to email us at drama school dropout pod at gmail.com and i'll be back again next tuesday for the 100th episode of drama school dropout and i'll be joined by a very shameless guest have a great week stay safe i love you Drama school dropout No graduation day for you Drama school dropout Fucked your whole course Now try something new Drama school dropout